Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. So bear with me a few moments as I begin to preach the word of the Lord today. In January of 1986, there were two men walking along the shores of, of Galilee and uh, the water there, and Israel had been in a drought for, for quite a, some time, and the waters had receded uh, tremendously, and these two men walking along the, the Sea of Galilee here noticed something sticking up out of the mud that uh, had never been visible before. So uh, they went and examined it, looked at it a time or two, tried to figure out what it was. Anyway, they, they spoke to people in the town there and they realized that uh, uh, archaeologists was going to come in and dig this and see what it was. Well, it turns out to be a boat that uh, was dated back to the first century. In other words, amen, in the hour of Jesus Christ when he was a carpenter in the carpenter shop, amen, they dated this boat back to his time and his era, amen, it had been lost, sunken, amen, for all these years. So these archaeologists begin to dig, amen, to put this uh, thing back together. They begin to preserve it and make it, uh, amen, look like what it, you see it on the screen now. Uh, this is what they dug up. This is what they found from the first century. Amen. Later become what is known as the Jesus boat. Amen. Fortunately, uh, a couple years ago, I was able to visit and see this actually. Amen. In Israel, what a, a tremendous time it was. Amen. But one of the archaeologists that they brought in was uh, a young woman that had been uh, renowned all across the world for the work that she had done amen, in the archaeologist world, amen. And she made this statement concerning, amen, this boat. She said, if you look at it this way, she said, this boat was made with inferior wood, but it was a super design and the bow and all that that took place in there. And this was her final statement. This lady was named Oma Coing, and she made this statement. The craftsman who built this boat was a master. Now that may not sound like much to you, but when I read this, when I see this, and when I look at that boat, it suddenly dawns on me, amen, it could have been the very boat that Jesus himself crafted, amen, in his carpenter shop. Amen, that's not proven, that's only speculation. But what I do understand is that the fact that he, the master craftsman, amen, could take inferior wood, amen, and build something and, and become the master of what he puts together. I'm coming to tell somebody today, and you folks that I talked to earlier, you need to hear this right now because God is going to speak to you right now in this Nate statement that I'm going to make. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what position you hold in life. I don't care whether you're great, whether you're small, whether you're black, white, amen, Indian, or whatever creed you may come from. What you need to understand today is that God can take your inferior spirit that you have right now and put you on the table and craft you, amen, and make you what God wants you to be right now. 
I want the apostolics to understand something right now. We're not just any people, but we are God's people. If you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to understand you're not just anybody, but you are a child of God. And you need to walk with your head up, amen, with a smile on your face, because the master craftsman took you out of the filth that you was in. He took you out of your low place and made something beautiful out of you. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody's got to hear me today. Don't sit here and let the devil tell you you're nothing or nobody because it's a lie from hell. Amen. Jesus loves you. He wants to bring you out. He wants to save your soul. Woo, come on, somebody. Mm. Let me say it this way. You don't have to be from superior stock in this world to be somebody. God can take you and all your failures. He can take you and all your shortcomings and make you a mastercraft. Good at what you do. Enjoying what you do. And enjoying being a child of God. We as apostolics, we have more impact in this world than what you think we have. Amen. You can look around this small congregation compared, amen, to what's around us, amen. This is only a small part of what God can do if we'll get on the wheel and let God mold and make us into what he wants us to be and not what we think we ought to be, amen. But we let God have his way. And if you'll do that, this building, you're just getting into it, but it ain't gonna be big enough. Amen, you might as well start making plans right now because this is not big enough, amen. This ain't gonna work. I give it a year and you're gonna be outside trying to figure something else out. Amen, because when you get yourself together and get your mind on God and suddenly realize who you truly are, that you are a child of God, then things are gonna happen like you've never seen them happen before. Because he is the master craftsman and he can make you whatever you desire to be in this life. We can change this world. Come on, somebody. Hear me today. You can change this community. You can change this city, this tri-city that's all around us. Amen. This needs to be the lighthouse on the hill. But if you're going to sit here and think you're nothing or nobody, you're in the wrong place. Because in here is where we become somebody. In here is where we become the craftsman makes us what we are. So you don't have to come from superior stock in life. You're looking at a man right now that come out of the tobacco fields of North Carolina. Had nothing. No name. Just a mom and dad that loved me. And that was it. 
1975. I married this lady that talked to you over here today. Weren't long after that, God gave us three sons. One is your pastor right now, two at home, worshiping God, preaching the gospel. Come on now. Mm. In 1978, we called to preach the gospel, become sectional youth leader for, for 11 years, national director of name, Native American Ministries of Evangelism for the last 22 years till present, national assistant MCM director to present, presbyter of our district 19 years, pastored 40 years. Don't sit here and tell me that God can't use you. Don't sit here and try to say I don't belong because you do belong. God can take whatever you are and turn you into something. I want somebody to know right now when I come out of the back of fields, I couldn't even spell Jesus. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything. I married into a prominent family. Amen. They didn't say I would make it, but honey, I made it. Why? Because I got on the wheel and said, God, mold me and make me. Come on, somebody. A master craft. My God is good today. Don't sit here and tell me God can't use you because he can. You ought to be lining up to get up here to sing on that. What a highlight to get up here and sing. But no, some of you would rather sit and let it all pass by because you ain't willing to get on the wheel. Come on, somebody. I read the story of Gideon. Now, I want you to listen to it. Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us? Now, some of you sitting here with that same spirit and attitude right now, if... Mm, if, if God is with me, why am I going through all of this? Ooh, somebody hear me now. God, if you with us, where are the miracles which that pastor has been talking about week after week after week? Where, where they are? Why is all this happening to me? Gideon is complaining to God. The Lord said, didn't I bring you up out of Egypt? Didn't I change your life? Now I'm going to save you from the hands of the Midianites. Haven't I sent you, Gideon? Did not I send you? And he said unto him, oh, my Lord, mm. wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family's house. And that's what some of you are thinking in your heart right now. I'm poor. I don't have anything. I'm the least in my father's house. 
Are you with me? And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. I'm saying to somebody in this congregation today, God is saying to you, hear it. If you don't hear anything else today, God is with you. God's gonna see you through. He's gonna bring you out today. He's gonna deliver you today. Before you walk out of this building, you're gonna speak in tongues. Before you leave this place, you're gonna run up here and say, Pastor, I gotta be baptized in Jesus' name. Before you leave here today, you're gonna walk out of here a new creature in Christ. You ain't gonna be the same anymore, but you're gonna be one awesome person. Why? Because the master craftsman is working on you right now. History proves people who changed the world came from ordinary stock. You look at his disciples. He chose men that had profession, fishermen. When's the last time a fisherman became president of the United States? Men in the nets one day running for office the next. Come on, it don't happen too often. When's the last time, amen, the plumber decide I'm gonna be the mayor? It don't normally happen, but what does happen, God uses, amen, these places and these people to change our world. Abraham Lincoln, amen, he failed time and time again. He lost election after election, but he became president of the United States and he made a change in this world, amen, that we still, amen, see today. It's because God chooses people, amen, with inferior wood, amen, people that feel like they're not anything, just like he did Gideon, but he told Gideon, I am gonna see you through and you're gonna win the Midianites as one man. I didn't really come today to just preach for the sake of preaching because God said I got to change some people today. And he's doing that right now. Men like Matthew, James, and John, did you notice he didn't choose any disciples out of the Sanhedrin? You notice he didn't choose men of renown in his day? You see what he did? He wanted to choose the inferior. He wanted to choose the poor to have an impact in this world. When I look at the men of God that we read about and preach about in the word of God today, like Gideon, when he realized that he was going to do what God asked him to do, he put an army together of 32,000 men, but God looked at him and said, I can't let you go to war with that. If you go to war with that, you're going to think you did it. So take them down to the water and them that lay up and do this and that. You know the story. And when it was all said and done, he, he had 300 men. Now God said, now you can go whip them because you're gonna know it ain't you that's doing it, it's me. 
What somebody need to realize in here today, it ain't all of this, it's you. God's bringing you out. You. Mm. David, in Psalms 22 and 6, he said, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Now we're talking about David. He said, I ain't even a man and I'm despised of all the people, but yet God made him a king. He said, I'll just be a doorkeeper in the house of God. But God said, no, you're going to be the king sitting on the throne. Amen. Come on, somebody. If David could go from tending sheep to being king of Israel, amen, and, and having the impact in life that he had, and you say, well, who was David? Well, we still preach about him. We still talk about him. We still tell of the good deeds that David did because he was a great king, and it's because he got on the wheel and God crafted him. Come on. Peter made this plea in Luke 5 and 8. He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. But God molded him unto the preacher that would deliver the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost. He put the keys of the kingdom in his hand and all of that, he cursed him, turned his back on him and then everything that he could possibly do to walk away from it. But the craftsman said, no. Mm. How many know God is a good God? First Timothy 1 and 13, Paul confessed his past. He said, I am a blasphemer and a persecutor. Two verses later, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. But Paul become the greatest apostle to walk the face of the earth. There has been no greater apostle than the apostle Paul. On his way to tear up camp meetings, he ended up preaching camp meetings. On his way to destroy the apostolic church, amen, God turned him around and made him one, amen, to do what needed to be done in that hour. He become the greatest apostle to walk the face of the earth. You say, well, how do you know that? Because we still preach about him. We still talk about him like I am today. Why he become a great man? It's because he got on a wheel somewhere and the master craftsman molded him until what God wanted him to be. Mm. Now, I have a message from God today. In his word, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. Now, I'm speaking to somebody right now, okay? You need to hear this. This is what's going to get you out of here, a brand new creature in Christ. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel 
that he made of clay was marred. Today I want you to understand that your life is marred. That don't make you a big sinner. What it is saying is something ain't right in you. It's marred. Mm. The vessel made of clay was marred in his hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. Here's what God is wanting you to hear right now. God is saying, I don't care how bad you're marred. I don't care how, amen, the situation that you're in in life. I don't care what's going on in your life. I am the potter. I'm going to put you on the wheel and make you a vessel again. In other words, he's going to take that marred vessel and put it back on the wheel and make a new vessel. And you're going to walk out of here today a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're going to have a smile on your face like you've never had before and you're going to look back at these moments and say I should have heard that preacher a long time ago I should have heard the man of God a long time ago I'd have been smiling a lot longer if I'd have heard the word and got on the wheel and let the master craftsman make a new vessel out of this marred one whoo Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter saith? The Lord behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. I hope you're ready for this change. I don't normally preach this way. I mean, you've heard me many times before, but he's reaching somebody right now. And you're in here right now. But you ain't going to leave the way you come in. I'm telling you right now, you will not leave the way you come in. When you come in here, you were marred. When you come in here today, you were inferior. When you come in here today, you felt unqualified. When you come in here today, you thought, well, it's just another Sunday. I'll endure it. You came in with that kind of spirit, but right now, God has you on the wheel. I can see it. Come on, somebody. You got to get with me here. I can see you on the wheel. And the potter's got you spinning in his hands, a man of clay. He's working out the mar. He's working out the inferior. He's working out the inadequacy. He's working out all these things where you're not qualified for this or that. God is making you a new vessel. Mm. Our 
our character, our word, our life, our reputation, our Christian walk. Saint of God, you must understand it gets marred every once in a while. We can look good. We can have a smile on our face. And you can walk around and hug one another. And you can say, I love you, brother or sister. But at the same moment, your life can be marred. And we need to pray every day that God don't rapture his church while we are marred. But today, God is saying, I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take the reins off this assembly. Y'all hear me? I'm going to take the reins off. What happens when you take the reins off a horse? He goes wide open. And when you take the reins off, you can't control him anymore either. When you take the reins off, it's gone. You can't pull him to the left. You can't pull him to the right. Amen. And hell, you need to hear it right now. God's getting ready to take the reins off this assembly. Oh, and you can't draw it in no more. You can't pull it to the left. You can't pull it to the right. The bits are out of the mouth. I'm taking off like a rocket. Oh, and hell can't stand it. The devil can't stand it. And don't listen to the devil right now and tell you that you're going to walk out of here a new creature because you're going to walk out of here a brand new child of God, male or female, whoever you are, God is going to change your life right now. We get marred. We get all torn up sometime. But let me tell you something right now. You can't pray. Amen. You, you can't get up and preach about prayer if you can't pray. Come on now. You can't live some things unless you do it. Amen. Every day of your life. You cannot love if you don't love somebody. Come on, we get marred sometime. You can't get up here and teach or preach on trust if you don't trust somebody in this life. You can't get up here and talk about living for God if you can't live for God. Come on, somebody. Woo! I'm telling you right now, you can't get up here and talk about healing. You can't get in the classroom and talk about healing. You can't reach one another in the altar and talk about healing unless you know what healing is. Woo. The last time I was here, most of you knew I had a broke wrist. This wrist here was broke. Had a brace on it. June the 20th, we had a miracle service at home. And we were just praying, trusting God for healings. The next morning, me and my wife went out on a preaching tour. We was gone for a couple weeks, but after about the second day, I looked at her. I said, you know what? 
My wrist ain't hurting. And believe me, it hurt all the time. Sometime I couldn't even sleep at night. It would ache so bad. The third day, it didn't hurt. After a week, it weren't hurting. I'm here to tell you God healed it that day. I can get up here and talk about healing because I know God's a healer. I've seen God heal. Woo! I've seen God do some things. Amen. That'll wake you up. Preaching a camp, preaching a camp meeting in Ontario, Walpole Island. Big tent camp meeting, about 800 people, this lady in the back shouting. It was hot, extremely hot. I was preaching faith, and the lady in the back, she was just shouting and carrying on. After a while, she fell out. They took her outside and laid her out in the cool uh, air at night, and uh, then they come back in and motioned for me to come. And I thought, uh-oh, what's going on? I had finished preaching. I was doing the altar service now. So I went back. They took me out there. She's laying in the grass, and uh, they said, she's, she's dead. They had already called the Amulets, paramedics, or whoever. But they said, we need you to pray for her. You preach faith tonight. So we're going to trust God. I thought, help me, Jesus. Talk about being put on the spot. But I didn't know anything to do. But I got down on my knees over this woman. I checked for pulse and, and for breathing. And she was, she was gone. There was no pulse. So I just put my hand on her and started praying. I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to tell you the God's honest truth. That woman shot up off that ground like she had a spring in her back. And she shot up right in my face. Hear me now. She come up right in my face, praising God. It scared me so bad I fell out. I fell back in the grass and said, my God, he's healed this woman. Let me tell you something. When you live it, you can preach it. When you live it, you can testify about it. When you got it, you can flaunt it. If you got the Holy Ghost today, somebody needs to shout. Somebody needs to dance. Why? Come on, somebody. This is the church of the living God. We need to rejoice in it and be glad. There are too many people talking about the fear of God that have no fear of God. We're living in a time where men are watering down this message so bad. They're allowing any and everything to come a part of the church. I'm telling you, we got to stand up and be strong. We're apostolics. We got to live it. That's what we got to be. I didn't think I didn't think I would make it. 
coming from where I came from, who I was, my wife's family were prominent, UPC, they had a legacy, I didn't have nothing. And literally, I didn't have nothing. And I prayed more than once, Brother Prinkinson, what? How are you going to survive this? You don't fit into this. I was the only person in the entire district of North Carolina that had brown skin. And believe me, they let me know it. I didn't know how I would survive. But I did. I kept pushing forward. And one day God got a hold of me. I started pastoring when I was 26 years old. One day God got a hold of him at a camp meeting. I laid my head down that altar at camp meeting like this. And opened my eyes and there's a grain of wheat. A grain of wheat laying on that altar. Now tell me how a grain of wheat gets from the wheat field in the middle of the city. Right under my nose on an altar. And God spoke to me just as plain as I'm speaking to you right now. He said unless a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die. It abideth alone. God said to me in that service, who are you trying to please? I didn't call all them naysayers. I called you. Don't tell me you're poor. My family's poor. I'm the least. I called you. I walked out of that camp meeting that day. I'm telling you, my spirit, I could have tackled hell with a switch. I made up my mind nothing or nobody was going to stop this old Indian boy again. I didn't care what they said, what they did. I raised, amen, three sons. Your pastor's one of them. And you know he's a great preacher of the gospel. He's a great man of God. I got another one at home doing the same thing. I got a younger one, amen, that's known for his musician skills all across our fellowship. I'm telling you, I've got a legacy. And God took me when I was inferior and made something out of me. I don't go nowhere. I don't do anything now with my head hung down. Why? Because I've got a legacy. And you're going to walk out of here today with one too. Our grandson was over at the house a few days ago. Lincoln, he's character. But we're sitting at, we're sitting in the kitchen. He says, Papa, Friday night I'm preaching. He's only five. 
I'm preaching Friday night. So Elijah, his oldest brother, looks at him and said, well, there ain't nobody going to be there. He said, oh, yeah, you're going to be there because I'm preaching. <laughs> Papa, you a preacher? Daddy, you a preacher? Uncle Cor's a preacher? Kyle's a preacher? I'm preaching Friday night. couple friends of ours are sitting there at the end of the bar <clears throat> he just looks at him points his finger at him and said you gonna be here too I'm preaching to you as well <laughs> you know what I said that to say this it's a legacy I don't know how many preachers have come out of that family but there'll be at least four or five more before it's all said and done. That'll preach this gospel. And when I leave this world, when I check out and it's all said and done for me, I'm gonna leave a family behind. And you are a part of that family. Give the Lord a hand praise. Stand with me right now. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.